Welcome to the Best of the Left podcast, with clips today from Rachel Maddow, Al Franken, The Young Turks, and Tom Hartman. Today's right-wing political tactic is fake conservatism. Uh, Today, the Senate starts not one, not two, but three consecutive days of gay marriage debate. Uh, The president gave his radio address on the subject on Saturday. And now, a message from the president of the United States, George George W. Bush. Bush. The Sunday talk shows were all a twitter about this issue, even though it is a patently, obviously manufactured issue that has nothing to do with what is actually going on in the world, and there is no chance that it will actually pass. Uh, Here's Republican presidential hopeful George Allen on CNN. The fact that we'll have a majority of vote, but not a two-thirds vote, doesn't mean that you don't try. And you know what? You need accountability in Washington. And for those who are for it or those against it, they'll be held accountable. It's a political stunt, in other words, and, and it, but it, of course, puts the Democrats in the position of defending while they will, why they will vote against the constitutional amendment. And their argument is never that, hey, gay people deserve civil rights. That's too complicated, see? They always instead have to give some legalistic BS about how the amendment is unnecessary because gay marriage is really bad, but not like constitutional level bad, right? We've adopted a law by an overwhelming uh, majority during the Clinton administration which says that no state has to recognize a marriage from another state if it would not be recognized in its own state. And we ought to leave it to the states and I will vote not to amend our constitution. Uh, mm -hmm. Democrat Carl Levin saying that he will vote against the constitutional amendment, but not on principle because he's happy to be against gay people's civil rights on principle. This is just a procedural matter. But the procedural matter here is actually a problem for the Republicans. Uh, There's this Republican schizophrenia over supposedly being the states' rights party, the federal government shouldn't impose party, saying 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 those are your values, and then and then pushing to take away the right of states like Massachusetts or whoever to make their own decisions on stuff like this. For example, Dick Cheney on the states' rights issue, right, was asked about gay rights in the 2000 vice presidential debate, asked about gay marriage, in effect. Uh, This is when he and Bush were first running for office. Here's the moderator, Bernard Shaw, asking the question. Should a male who loves a male and a female who loves a female have all, all the constitutional rights enjoyed by every American citizen? By saying all, all, obviously what he's getting at there is gay marriage. This is in 2000, the vice presidential debate. Here was Dick Cheney's answer. I think different states are likely to come to different conclusions, and that's appropriate. I don't think there should necessarily be a federal policy in this area. Hmm, different states should come to different conclusions, and the federal government shouldn't impose its will on this issue. He then went beyond that to actually give a slightly principled defense of why he believed the state's rights principle to apply on this civil rights issue. People should be free to enter into any kind of relationship they want to enter into. It's really no one else's business in terms of uh, trying to regulate or, or prohibit behavior in that regard. Dick Cheney defining a conservative principle of governing, which is hands off from the federal government, states do it themselves, and then saying why the principle applies in this issue because it is a civil rights issue. It's basically a libertarian take on the matter. Let people do what they want to do. That was 2000. 
Fast forward to 2006. Contrast that with what Bush said on Saturday about why we need this federal amendment to override what the states would do. Listen to his tortured, tortured logic here. An amendment to the Constitution is necessary because activist courts have left our nation with no other choice. The constitutional amendment that the Senate will consider next week would fully protect marriage from being redefined, while leaving state legislatures free to make their own choices in defining legal arrangements other than marriage. The constitutional amendment, the federal amendment that the Senate will consider next week, would fully protect marriage from being redefined. In other words, it would define it at the federal level. It would make a federal decision about what, st about what this can be anywhere in the country while leaving state legislatures free to make their own choices in defining legal arrangements other than marriage. So it is, it's all about states' rights. We're going to confine states' decision-making to what we think it's appropriate for states to be able to do here. Now, I'm no Republican. I'm not really wearing a triple strand of, pearl, strand of pearls right now. But doesn't that sound like they're kind of trying to weasel out of the whole states' rights Republican principle idea here? What principle's really at work here? Anybody? He suggests that I'm not that good at basketball. I utterly humiliate him and his false god, Rush Limbaugh, on national radio. You know, the normal stuff between friends. And later this hour, Robert Greenstein from the Center on Budget Policy and Priorities talks taxes as hour two of the Al Franken Show starts now. So uh, joining us now is, you know what, you know what, uh, Trent, uh, Mark deserves his music. We, we have... Uh, even though he's come out of the Terrapin opening that we do at the beginning of each hour, I think he deserves his music. So play Mark's music. Ah, the music means it is time for our resident ditto head, Mark Luther. For those of you in St. Louis who haven't heard the show before, Mark is a boyhood friend. Right, Mark? You bet. That music always puts me in a great mood. I know. This is uh, The Pretenders. Yeah, it is the Pretenders, <laughs> but it's the Rush theme. Yeah, but Rush says that he, he played the bass on it. <laughs> I don't know if he did. No, he says that all the time. No, he doesn't. He's not that big a liar. No, he doesn't. Okay, but he's a liar, and, and we'll show you today again. Okay. Okay, now, um, so uh, we'll get to the uh, uh, your, your Rocky Mountain fiddle camp, but, okay. you, but we'll get to that later. All right. Let's go right into a Rush thing. Okay? Okay? Okay, okay Mark? Uh, so, so what, what we do here, this is just for, for new listeners, uh, I play uh, something that Limbaugh said, and then Mark uh, responds, and, or, and then we talk about it. Right. Right. Okay. 
as friends. We're friends. And, and what this shows is, is that two friends who, who love each other mm-hmm. can disagree. I think it's on, a great lesson for all of America. I, I do, too. Okay. Okay. And, and then we go, and, we, and at the same time show what an idiot Limbaugh is. Okay, so here we go. Let's play this. This is uh, from the 13th of uh, March a couple days ago. Investors Business Daily today on an editorial says, with rising income, soaring wealth, bigger and better homes, plenty of jobs and low inflation, we may be living in the most prosperous times ever, yet chances are you don't believe it one bit. The economy isn't perfect, of course, but it's a long way from bad, long, long way from bad. We ponder this as a new employment report comes out showing 243,000 new payroll jobs in February, even as the number of people re-entering the labor market swelled by nearly 350,000. So they did a survey. Media Research Center did a survey. This is the part. Okay. In 2005, in all of 2005, there were just 151 stories of, on every, doesn't it, CB, the networks, the cables, the newspapers, 151 stories covering the creation of 2 million new jobs. Now, you're probably wondering what the, uh, what's going, what, what I'm going to talk about here. I am wondering. Okay. He's quoting media research, so if something's wrong, then it's not Rush, it's Media Research Center. Well, actually, he is, he's kind of quoting Media Research Center, but actually, you, you, you nailed it. He's also uh, quoting Investors Business Daily, right. which is quoting Media Research Center. Okay. So you'll notice what he said is, in 2005, in all 2005, there were just 151 stories uh, on every, doesn't it, see, the, the networks, the cables, the newspapers. 151 stories covering the creation of 2 million new jobs. Okay. Okay, here's what the sentence actually said, that in both the Media Research Center's report, which I read, uh-huh. and in the uh, Investor Business Daily's editorial, which I read. And you'll notice that he leaves, he, you'll notice he leaves out the end of the sentence. Okay. He sa- and it says, a recent study by the Media Research Center's uh, bears this out. It looks, uh, this is what the report said. And what it said in the thing. It looked at TV news coverage of jobs in 2005. 151 stories in all carried on all three major networks. Okay. So what he said was, see, the, uh, in 2005, in all 2005, there were just 151 stories, and he cut himself off because mm-hmm. he saw that it was on the three major networks. But then he cuts himself off and goes, uh... On every, uh, doesn't it, uh, see, uh, the networks, the cables, the newspapers, 151 stories covering the creation of 2 million new jobs. All right. You, you've got him there. I, I agree with your analysis of it. Okay, but, but, but what does this tell you about, see, we do this every time. <laughs> I, I, we, we catch him. Here he is about to finish what they said, 151 stories in all carried on all three major networks. He gets there, he says, 151 stories, cuts himself off uh, on, uh, uh, doesn't it, see, uh, the networks, the cables, the newspapers. He's lying. He's deliberately lying at that moment because he realizes that 151 stories on the creation of jobs, on the, and it's just the evening broadcasts of the three networks, is, you know, is one a week. 
by them, which is pretty, when you say that's kind of makes sense. Well, I think it's not very many stories, but I will, you know, you and I pride ourselves on our intellectual honesty, and you've obviously caught him there, and I agree with that. I can't really argue at all. Okay. Now, this this happens a lot, and I want our new listeners to, to understand. Would you agree this happens a lot? Uh, you you find his cases of exaggeration. Uh, yes, I agree that you find them. But, but this isn't just exaggeration, is it? This is really dishonest, isn't it? I mean, you would admit that. This is dishonest. Cutting yourself off and, and mischaracter deliberately mischaracterizing exactly what the thing said. He, he's quoting it, and then he stops and then adds, saying it's all cable, all newspapers, not just the three networks. Wouldn't you say that's really, really, really dishonest? Well, you know, I'm very reluctant to use that word. I would say that he... Is, that's not dishonest. What? You, you, wait a minute. Remember, Mark, you said that we, you and I pride ourselves in our intellectually, intellectual honesty? Right. You would say this isn't dishonest. Now, just really, now, now, now search your soul. Okay. This is dishonest, isn't it? I, it's it's he he misquoted a story. He, he exaggerated the story he was reading. If you call that dishonest, then that's fine. I I define dishonest as, as stealing things. Really, that's yeah. the only way you can be dishonest is stealing things. Honestly, is that what you honestly believe intellectually? That the only way to be dishonest is stealing things. Yeah, I think getting things wrong in conversation is, is just either stupid or exaggerated. But do you think that's what this is? Do you think that's what this is, Mark? Do you think this is just being getting something wrong in conversation, or do you think he's reading along and sees what it says? 151 stories in all carried on all three major networks. That's what it says on the thing that he's reading in front of him. Mm -hmm. Then he cuts himself off. And he goes, um, uh, 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 151 stories uh, covering the uh, uh, the networks, the cables, the newspapers. All right, Al, it's your show, so I'll... I'll... No, 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 it's our segment. It's your segment just as much as mine. <laughs> I'm just asking you, you said you, we pride ourselves on intellectual honesty. And, and according to you... I don't understand how intellectually you steal things. I, I suppose plagiarism. Yeah. So that is the only type of intellectual dishonesty there is, is plagiarism? Well, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to get all worked up over the word. Okay, I'll call it dishonest. There you go. Oh, okay. So now, this is a guy who's consistently, we find him being dishonest. Consistently. You pride yourself in your intellectual honesty. Right. And yet, you listen to him all the time. And he's like a guru to you. You worship this guy. He changed you around. But week after week after week after week, we show him being dishonest. And that doesn't affect... That you, you, you seem to have no self-esteem. That the, you, you will take the, this stuff from uh, a guy who just lies all the time. Well, I've told you before, and I'll say it again. I don't know a different way to say it. I think his underlying philosophy of the world is accurate. And if he occasionally exaggerates or... Uh, Come on, I'd say it, say it, say that, it. That doesn't detract from his understanding of the world and the understanding that I've gotten from it. From behind these walls I hear your song Oh, sweet words The music that you play lights up my world The sweetest that I've heard Could it be 
All right, now it's time for the underbelly, uh, where every day here on The Rachel Maddow Show, we enjoy poking a sharp stick at the soft white underbelly of the right-wing scheme machine, giving you a little peek at their political playbook. Uh, today's right-wing political tactic is bribery. All the corruption scandals and trials and indictments in Washington, it sometimes gets spun as the lobbying scandal or some inside Washington ethics, not understandable finance thing. It's really, it's, it's a bribery scandal. I will provide you something of value, donations, cash, free trips, jobs for your friends and family, and you will then do things for me as a member of Congress, things that reward me for having given you that stuff. It's very simple. And today in the news, we have two great, very clear examples of how bribery works in Washington today. It is not always a suitcase full of cash, you know. Sometimes it is apparently half of a house. A couple of stories for you. Uh, number one, Jerry Lewis, the not the comedian. Hey, lady. Uh, Jerry Lewis, the congressman from California, possibly the worst house, the worst hairdo in Congress. Uh, Jerry Lewis, congressman from California who is in trouble in the Duke Cunningham scandal. Uh, he was chair of the House Defense Appropriations Subcommittee in charge of Pentagon spending in the House. He had a staffer whose whole job it was to put earmarks, little pet projects into giant defense bills. Uh, her name was Letitia White. One of the companies that got lots and lots of earmarks, lots and lots of funding from these pet projects, thanks to Letitia White, one of those companies was a defense contractor called Trident Systems. Got millions of dollars in contracts thanks to Letitia. After Letitia left Congressman Jerry Lewis's office to become a lobbyist, Natch, uh, less than a year later, that company, Trident Systems, paid half of a new house for her paid $500,000 cash toward her purchase of a new million-dollar townhouse. Nice. Uh, the other great story today is about Tom DeLay's wife. Uh, his chief of staff was an, was an evangelical minister named Ed Buckham. Remember I talked about this with Michael Isikoff yesterday on the show? Uh, Ed Buckham. DeLay's former chief of staff, on trial for corruption. Uh, Buckham left DeLay's office and became, Natch, a lobbyist. The rules say that as a lobbyist, Ed Buckham would not be allowed to give his former boss, Tom DeLay, anything uh, with a total value exceeding $50 in a single year. But Ed Buckham really wanted to give things to Tom DeLay. He really wanted to give him tons of money, in fact. He really wanted to bribe him. So instead of paying Tom DeLay, because uh, he couldn't do that against the rules, right? He instead put Tom DeLay's wife on the payroll. He instead paid Tom DeLay's wife $3,000-something a month to work from home in Texas. And we learned in the Buckham trial yesterday, when he was testifying yesterday in one of the Jack Abramoff corruption trials, testified yesterday that he secretly opened up a retirement fund for Tom DeLay's wife, which he stuffed with tens of thousands of dollars. As a lobbyist. Paying Tom DeLay's wife, not only in salary, but also tens of thousands of dollars into a retirement account that he set up for her. While Tom DeLay, her husband, did everything that he asked for. They want this to be way more complicated than it is. But bribery is something that people understand even in the simplest, basest of all political terms.
Of course, uh, our most favorite hero here is Jack Cafferty, but he's talking about one of the villains that we want to talk about here. It's a good piece, and it's a good introduction, and it's certainly something uh, Jill's going to love. Uh, uh-huh. Uh, I already know what it is. Uh, but then afterwards, let's talk about uh, the person, the loathsome person he's talking about, who we have accidentally credited in the past as well. So should I just say it up front before? I told you so. All right. Uh, believe me, she's going to say that again. Here's uh, Jack Cafferty on CNN. New York, Jack Cafferty is standing by uh, Jack. Uh, Wolf, on May the 11th on the Situation Room, in the wake of news, the government was secretly collecting the telephone call records of millions of Americans. I went on the air and said this. We better all hope nothing happens to Arlen Specter, the Republican head of the Senate Judiciary Committee, because he might be all that's standing between us and a full-blown dictatorship in this country. He's vowed to question these phone company executives about volunteering to provide the government with my telephone records and yours and tens of millions of other Americans. <laughs> what an idiot I am. I actually thought at the time Senator Specter was going to exercise his responsibility to provide some congressional oversight of the executive branch. You know, see if the White House is playing by the rules. <laughs> Silly me. In the end, Senator Specter has turned out to be yet another gutless Republican worm cowering in the face of pressure from the administration and fellow Republicans. There aren't going to be any hearings. Americans won't find out if their privacy is being illegally invaded. You know what the Senate Judiciary Committee settled for instead? Senator Orrin Hatch said he has won assurances from Vice President Dick Cheney that the White House will review proposed changes to the law that would restrict certain aspects of the NSA program. Dick Cheney is going to decide if it's okay to spy on American citizens without a warrant, and this worthless bunch of senators has agreed to let him do it. It's a disgrace. Here's the question. Should the phone companies be forced to testify about cooperating in the secret NSA spying program? Email your thoughts to CafferdyFile at CNN.com or go to CNN.com slash CafferdyFile. Here it comes. Wolf. Jack Cafferty, thank you very much. Coming up your... <laughs> I can't get yeah. enough of Wolf. Does okay. Jesus have the... Uh, go ahead. You tell me what I told you. That's right. Does Jesus have the video queued up of when I called out our inspector for being a fraud and... All of you guys for being idiots by placing your bets on Arlen Specter. No one, first of all, no one placed you, any bets on Arlen Specter. Do you guys? Do you guys have the video for that? No, we we'll get it. We'll get okay. it. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. get it next. Uh, week. You gotta leave me about a Turk minute here. Turk of the day, we Arlen some, we have, Specter. We, we have news. Paris. We have news to report here about uh, this. Okay, just look. Two things here. Uh, number one, uh, you know, we, we were holding out hope. We never, nobody ever said on this program Arnold Specter was actually going to hold the hearings. But Jill is, uh, is always gracious but uh, in victory. But she was right to say, no, none of these Republican senators are ever going to do anything positive. And she was proven to be right. And, you know, God bless Cafferty. I mean, gutless Republican worms. Yeah, that was funny. Isn't he awesome? Um, I mean, that's what he called him. And then Wolf Blitzer, nonplussed. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. Coming up. He <laughs> just you, called them gutless Republican worms. And worthless. Wolf Blitzer was probably talking to us. Is he allowed to do that? Can they sue us? Can the Republican worm sue us? I mean, can the Republicans? Here's the news from today. Uh, and it, uh, look, I don't, I, I, I don't want to, the last thing I want to do is argue with Jill. But, and I, So I won't. I'm just going to read the news today and we'll let people decide for themselves. In a terse and highly unleashed, this is from Roll Call, which is the publication of Capitol Hill. 
In a terse and highly unusual letter to Vice President Cheney, Senate Judiciary Chairman Arlen Specter today rejected the Bush administration's insistence that a secret wiretapping program being conducted on U.S. civilians by the NSA is legal, complaining that efforts by the White House to stonewall congressional inquiries into the program, quote, denigrates the constitutional authority and responsibility of the Congress and specifically the Judiciary Committee to conduct oversight on constitutional issues. Specter's anger peaked yesterday, Tuesday, after he learned Cheney had been lobbying Republican members of the committee, quote, to oppose any Judiciary Committee hearing, even a closed one that involved telephone companies that have cooperated with the NSA. Specter writes, I was surprised to say at the least that you sought to influence, really determine the action of the committee without calling me first or at least calling me at some point. Specter wrote in the letter, adding that this was especially perplexing since we both attended the Republican Senator's caucus lunch yesterday and I walked directly in front of you on at least two occasions en route from the buffet to my table. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Specter is, are we to assume then Specter had a a, 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 a cute deal with Cheney, and now he's a little bitter because Cheney went behind his back and stabbed him in the back. That of course he was going to do, I, but I, is he going to hold the hearings? I don't. I, I just no idea. What he did was say the program is illegal, and you guys are oh, wrong. Big deal. Whoop de doo. Let me see the hearings. Let me see the hearings, Specter. I'm with you from now on. Until I see the goddamn hearings, uh, I don't believe a word Specter says because he had a deal with Cheney. And he's now, boo-hoo, you didn't talk to me, Cheney. You went beyond my back. You had a deal with him. You are a worm. The first story on today's Rachel Maddow Show front page is about my beloved fristy pants. Uh, specifically, why I, Rachel Maddow, am endorsing Bill Frist, Senate Majority Leader, uh, as my pick for the Republican nomination for president in 2008. Oh, please, will they pick Bill Frist. Uh, Bill Frist is the man, uh, you might have caught this last week, he's the man who admitted to the Washington Post last week uh, in a little profile they did of him uh, that he was inspired to become a doctor after cutting the heart out of a living dog and holding it in his hand until it stopped beating, okay? How's that for a heartwarming nominating convention video? It could have a you know, voiceover from Boris Karloff, maybe. Uh, but this weekend, Bill Frist, the, the top Republican, top man in the U.S. Senate, went on the Sunday shows to talk about which issues he thinks uh, are worth, push, worth pushing other things off the agenda right now. Which two issues? When we're at war, when we're in a constitutional crisis over unchecked executive power, when maybe a dozen members of Congress are looking at possible jail time and corruption and bribery cases. What are the top two issues facing the country, the top two issues facing the U.S. Senate, according to the man in charge up there? Well, here's one of them. Tomorrow and today, as people see that American flag, and when you look at that flag, and then you tell me people in this country are saying it's okay to desecrate that flag, and to burn it and to not pay respect to it? Is that important to our values as a people? Number one issue in the country right now, according to Bill Frist, is flag burning. Number two issue? It's marriage. Let me just jump marriage you asked about. Okay. Right now, why marriage today? Marriage is, for our society, that union between a man and a woman is the cornerstone of our society. It is under attack today. More under attack than, you know, soldiers in Iraq, maybe? Bill Frist says the top two issues in our country today, things that need to push other stuff off the agenda in the Senate, are flag burning and gay marriage. Even Fox News this weekend was incredulous. Are gay marriage and flag burning the most important issues the Senate could be addressing in June of 2006? 
Chris Wallace putting that question to Bill Frist yesterday on Fox. And when Fox News is asking that question, you know that we have found our man. Bill Frist is the man I want on the Republican ticket in 2008 if I got to pick. I will also say that Bill Frist has flip-flopped massively on the question of whether it was constitutionally okay for the FBI uh, to raid that congressman's office last week. Uh, two weeks ago, he said he had grave concerns about it. And then a few days ago, he decided he doesn't have grave concerns anymore. It's fine with him. Bill Fristy Pants, standing firm as always. He is my pick for the Republican nomination, either him or, or Duke Cunningham, I think. Tell me if there's something I can do Cause lately all I'm thinking of is you So I tried to write you a love song But all the music came out wrong So I hope that you dance along On this day in history, Robert F. Kennedy was buried June 8th, 1968 Bobby Kennedy laid to rest at Arlington National Cemetery. One of my favorite speeches of Bobby Kennedy's, here's about a minute and a half of it, about gross domestic product. This is also one of his most famous, and rightfully so. Too much and for too long, we seem to have surrendered personal excellence and community value in the mere accumulation of material things. Our gross national product now is over $800 billion a year. But that gross national product if we judge the United States of America by that, that gross national product counts air pollution and cigarette advertising and ambulances to clear our highways of carnage. It counts special locks for our doors and the jails for the people who break them. It counts the destruction of the redwoods and the loss of our natural wonder and chaotic sprawl. It counts napalm and it counts nuclear warheads and armored cars for the police to fight the riots in our cities. It counts Whitman's rifle and Speck's knife and the television programs which glorify violence in order to sell toys to our children. Yet the gross national product does not allow for the health of our children, the quality of their education, or the joy of their play. It does not include the beauty of our poetry or the strength of our marriages, the intelligence of our public debate, for the integrity of our public officials. It measures neither our wit nor our courage, neither our wisdom nor our learning, neither our compassion nor our devotion to our country. It measures everything in short, except that which makes life worthwhile. And it can tell us everything about America, except why we are proud that we are Americans. Well said Robert F. Kennedy uh, on this day in history laid the rest of Arlington National Cemetery. story on the front page today is about a great day for American democracy, a great day in Washington, a great day for the whole country. Today, I am pleased to announce, is Tom DeLay's last day in Congress. 
The man rebuked multiple times by the Ethics Committee. The man who called Jack Abramoff one of his closest and dearest friends. The man now at the center of the bribery and corruption investigation stemming around Jack Abramoff. The man forced out of his leadership post in Congress after being indicted on campaign money laundering charges. The man who flew on a tobacco industry corporate jet to his arraignment and then said that he hoped the American people could see Jesus when they looked at his smiling mugshot. A man retiring now so he can spend his campaign funds on his legal defense. Tom DeLay is out as of today. His parting speech yesterday showed typical Tom DeLay class. It is customary in speeches such as these to reminisce about the good old days of political harmony and across-the-aisle camaraderie and to lament the bitter, divisive, partisan rancor that supposedly now weakens our, our democracy. Well, I can't do that. I can't do that. I have to tell you, this is not some fake computer-generated Tom DeLay voice that I've manipulated into saying these things. This is actually what he said. Here's, little, here's a little, another little gem from his goodbye speech. In any place or any time on any issue, what does liberalism ever seek, Mr. Speaker? More. More government, more taxation, more control over people's lives and decisions and wallets. If conservatives don't stand up to liberalism, no one will. Liberalism, we can barely even say it. Upon saying that, at least two dozen Democratic members of Congress got up and walked out. Good for them. You know, and the fact that they still try to tar liberals with the they want more government line when these are the guys, when Tom DeLay is the guy who's overseen the biggest growth in the federal government since the 1940s and has destroyed the budget in the process. But I have to tell you, there's one thing I'm very, very happy about today to tell you about. uh, I mean, it's great news that Tom DeLay is leaving Congress today to spend more time with his lawyers. But I also have the distinct pleasure of telling you something that makes me very happy, that on the occasion of Tom DeLay leaving Congress today, George Miller, who we're interviewing on Tuesday on this show, uh, as well as two other Democratic members of Congress, are introducing a bill today called the Northern Marianas Human Dignity Act. It's a bill to try to bring U.S. labor standards to the Northern Marianas Islands. Why is the Northern Marianas Islands? Why is that ringing a bell? The Northern Marianas Islands were Jack Abramoff's client, his his lobbying business. And it has been Tom DeLay for a decade who has stood in the way of efforts to stop the indentured servitude, the sweatshops, what's even alleged to be forced abortions in Marianas factories for women who work there. Things that are allowed to go on in the Marianas Islands, thanks to Tom DeLay and Jack Abramoff, even when things that are manufactured in the Northern Marianas get a made-in-the-USA label. Democrats have been trying to bring U.S. labor standards to this place that gets the made-in-the-USA labor, uh, the made-in-the-USA label for a decade, and it has been Tom DeLay who has been standing in the way. Why? Because the Northern Marianas Islands are Jack Abramoff's client. Now Jack Abramoff is on his way to jail. Tom DeLay is facing his last day in Congress today. On the occasion of Tom DeLay's last day in Congress, they have announced that they are introducing the Northern Marianas Human Dignity Act. The headline on George Miller's press release about the Marianas bill is, quote, Tom DeLay out, human dignity in. Amen. Good riddance.
Uh, it's the worst political party in the world. Uh, it's not just Super Tuesday in America. Like we said at the beginning of the show, except for the Republicans. Right? <laughs> it's I don't know anything about this. This is uh, <laughs> my political muckraking today didn't get me to this story. Well, it's because you didn't check the wire service from stories out of uh, Amsterdam. Oh, no, that's true. Yeah. You know, it's not just Super Tuesday in America. It's also Super Tuesday in Holland. And I'm a little disappointed in you, Michael, that you're not on top of it. This is uh, why... I'm, I'm embarrassed, too. This is why I love uh, uh, Europeans and foreign languages in general. It's the Charity, Freedom, and Diversity Party. Charity, Freedom, and Diversity, or NVD. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Narity, Freedom, and Diversity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the NVD party, Charity, Freedom, and Diversity, um, they'll be officially registering as a party tomorrow, and their slogan, as they said today, they're going to officially register tomorrow, and they're going to shake the Hague awake. That's, it sounds good. Shake the Hague awake. But it rhymes in English. I wonder if it rhymes yeah, exactly. in Dutch. <laughs> Probably not, of course. Uh, so they're, they're, you The know. initials for shake the Hague awake, in, uh, of course, is, of course, Q-Z-X-Y. Right, exactly. Coming from Jank, C-E-N-K. Right. So that all sounds great. They sound like young Turks. They sound like rebels. Uh, you please, know? please don't say that. <laughs> uh, Anyway, so they're when for charity, they're for freedom, and they're for diversity. I Can't love, get any I love this party. I know nothing about them so far, but I love them. I, Just so keep I'm in mind s- that we tease it as the worst political I, party. I'm going to sign up for them. They right want to. They are pushing for a cut in the legal age for sexual relations from 16 to 12, and they'd like the legalization of child pornography and sex with animals. And they want NBD. <laughs> and they want 16-year-old kids to be able to engage in prostitution. Yeah. They're yeah. like, come on. If a 16-year-old boy can't be a prostitute, what kind of Holland do we live in? We're going to shake the hang up. They want to, uh, it's th- clear what the VD in NVD stands <laughs> for. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, the, uh, so they want to lower the, the limit for sexual relations to 12, and then eventually, that's just a way station. Eventually, they want to scrap it all together. Uh, a ban says Ad Vandenberg. Uh, one of the party's founders, uh, he says the ban, it just makes children curious. <laughs> oh, I see. So We so. want to make pedophilia the subject of discussion, he said, adding that the subject had been taboo since 1996. <laughs> God, that's almost, that's, you know, now it's it's 10 years. I know, yeah, since 1996. And that was that uh, that Mark Dutro child abuse scandal in Belgium. Remember where that guy was abusing? So the, pre-1996, pedophilia rocked. And didn't matter, nobody can, ah, it's Amsterdam, whatever. <laughs> All right, now the fact that they're irrelevant and clearly going to lose is what makes this a funny story. If it was right. like America where the Republicans actually win with their loathsome tactics, then it would not be right. a funny story right. at all. Because even in the Netherlands, which is, you know, they, you can do drugs and the prostitution and gay marriage, they, uh, they already, every, 82% not only are against it, they want the government to stop the party. Like, but, don't even let them have a party. Yeah. But, of course! No, these guys, they're not playing. It's not like, it's like a maybe kind of thing. They are a pro-pedophilia party. I mean, you got to hand it to them. The balls on these guys. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> There's no question about that. No, but here, but <laughs> like, no, no, but, ser- but we're being dead serious. We'd like to have sex with children. Yeah, we'd like to have sex with children, and we're t- and we don't want to, and we don't have to worry about being arrested. Yeah. We just want to and it, leave my us fa- alone. They're libertarians, basically. Here's my favorite. Yeah, they're for charity, freedom, and diversity. This is my favorite quote in the whole thing, and it's from uh, it's from my friend uh, Ad Vandenberg, Vandenberg, right. the guy I mentioned before. Uh, Ad Vandenberg. He says we want to get into parliament. He says, we want to get into Parliament so we have a voice. Other politicians only talk about us in a negative sense, as if we were criminals. (laughs) (laughs) But you are criminals. In fact, you're the worst kind of criminals. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
How is Ad Vandenberg a free man? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I mean, well, you think he's just he's just a lobbyist? He's just advocating their side. He doesn't actually practice it. Right. This guy's a he's a pedophile. Arrest him. Do some research. I guarantee you'll find something. Could you imagine like? Oh no no! I'm not for pedophilia. I, no, and I've never practiced it. I think it's terrible. I just am a professional lobbyist for the pedophilia party. Right. Yeah, that, 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 that's not the way things work. I this work a, for them. I don't, I'm not one of them. Let me also just throw you in a couple things. The party, wants. the party also they want private possession of child porn to be allowed, although they support the ban on the trade of such materials. And I would ask them simply, why bother? Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you want to be able to have sex with 12 year olds, and you want to be able to own the child pornography. You might as well be able to trade it if that's what you're going to advocate. Also, but, if you can't sell it. You know, right. What's the point of having it? Because it just increases in value. Yeah, and then it clutters your home. <laughs> it also the party supports allowing pornography to be broadcast on daytime TV with violent pornography limited to the late nights. Right. Oh, oh man, they are totally reasonable. And again, remember they want sex. With, you know what? They, they want sex with animals legalized as well. Oh well, of course. Uh, except if you hurt the animals, they say. You know why? Because they're compassionate pedophilia. Hurt the animals? <laughs> what are you, are you checking with the animal first? Before you have sex with it? Yeah. No, the dog. Are you going to be all right? <laughs> I'm going to take it as a yes. <laughs> Compassionate they want, pedophile. They want toddlers given sex education. Sex with animals would be allowed, Jesus. although the abuse of animals, as Jack said, should remain illegal. They also think that everybody should be allowed to be naked in public, and they are uh, they for legalizing all soft and hard drugs, and free train travel. Free train travel. <laughs> yeah, so after all this, they're like, oh, yeah, and by the way, we want to you know, be able to get on the train. But, but now they've got me. <laughs> <laughs> this is Ben Mankiewicz from the Young Turks on the Best of the Left podcast. For more information on the Young Turks, please go to our website. That's www.theyoungturks.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. Now, I know how you must be feeling. Tomorrow's the big day. You might be a little nervous. Um, heart rate may be a little elevated some butterflies in the stomach, you're pacing your bedroom wondering what you're going to wear for the big event, I, I just want to say calm down. Remember, it's just a podcast. You don't have to get dressed up. There's no dinner, no catering. You can listen anytime you like. Uh, I would recommend either gathering all of your friends and family into one room to uh, sit and listen with rapt attention uh, for the entire show, or go the other route, lock yourself away, get a comfy chair, your best set of headphones, maybe a drink. Uh, here's, here's the important thing though, be sure to stare at a blank wall because you don't want to be distracted by anything. If you don't know what I'm talking about, all week I have been touting tomorrow's show, Friday's show, as the best episode I've ever put out. It'll be my 90th episode, 90 episodes just since the, the last couple of days of January of this year. That's uh, um, a little hard for me to believe, actually. But there you go. I just counted. The fact of the matter is, the show is not even edited yet. I really don't know how good it's going to be. You know, the, the clips are laid out. There's no music. 
there's no witty banter. Um, I don't know if you're allowed to have banter with only one person. That that might be a conversational thing, you know, between two people. I'm not sure. L look that up for me. S send that in. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. Because tomorrow's show may be so good that I'm not going to want to sully the final product with my own voice at the end. So I'm going to ask you now for tomorrow's show, and you're going to have all weekend to do it. It'll be right at the top of the list. This is the show that I want you to send to all of your friends, send your friends to the website, have them click the listen now button, send them to the Frapper map, because the show plays automatically on the Frapper map. Have them listen, see what they've been missing out on up till this point, and let them know if they like what they heard, it's all downhill from there. That's, that's about as good as it's ever going to get, at least for the foreseeable future. Good news, I do have a working title. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but that that's just one less thing for you to worry about, because I know uh, that people are concerned uh, about you know how I am able to produce so many of these shows. The fact is, putting my show together is akin to putting together a child's jigsaw puzzle. And it takes about that much time to do it. So you can stop worrying about me. It's, it's not that hard. Although I do appreciate your concern in any case. Here's the last thing I'll say. If you don't like tomorrow's episode, please don't tell me. I, I don't need that kind of grief. I don't need to, you know, build something up in my head so much that I'm nervous about even releasing it for fear that I will disappoint all of you. And I certainly don't need to have that reinforced by the fact that I actually did disappoint you. So just have a little mercy on that. Finally, the last thing I'll say altogether, having nothing to do with tomorrow's uh, show, which will be the best show ever, in my opinion, is that uh, every once in a while I like to remind all of you that all of these shows that I use to produce The Best of the Left are available to podcast. Uh, that's how I get all the clips. I listen to them in podcast form. And I have a, a nearly complete list. It used to be a complete list. And uh, now it is only a nearly complete list of podcasts at bestoftheleftpodcast.com. Scroll down to the bottom and there's the, the list of the whole group there with all of their smiling little faces. So I do that partially because I genuinely want to encourage you to go and find the show that you like the best and hear the whole thing because uh, although I try to get 
all the good parts. There's so much stuff that I just can't get or I can't fit. So I, I, I definitely encourage you to go listen to the original shows that I pull from. And also, just as a way to kind of cover my ass a little bit, um, because I don't believe I'm actually breaking the law by using their clips. I, you know, I think of it along the same lines as like, you know, outfoxed, used clips from Fox and made it into a movie and then sold it for money. And that wasn't illegal. So I don't see how what I'm doing is illegal because I'm not even making money off of it. Uh, but in any case, I just I want to make the message clear to those of you, uh, not that I have any reason to believe that anyone who works at Air America or any other radio station actually listens to the show, but just to make it clear that I'm not trying to steal your audience. I'm, I, I, the goal from the very beginning was really to boost your audience by, as my mission statement says, to aggregate and amplify the voices of the talk radio political left. So I may be amplifying them, if ever so slightly, but I would also encourage you to go check them out for yourself. That's it for today. You all get a good night's sleep. We all have a big day tomorrow. Have a good night, everybody. Hi, this is Nancy of Wake Up AM, Wake Up America podcast. Kathy, Meg, and I are proud to be members of the Progressive Podcast Network. Check out all of the great podcasts over at NewMediaRevolution.org. The Progressive Podcast Network. Stick a fork in the mainstream media because they're done. And if that leads to a fucking impeachment, then so fucking be it.